Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Hey, listeners, I'm so excited to go all the way across the globe and sit down, okay, uh, talk through a microphone with two of our favorite guests to the Primal Blueprint podcast. It's Matt Whitmore and Karis Marsden, world-famous authors of Paleo Primer, and now Paleo Primer Second Helping. How are you guys doing? We're good, mate. That's How quite are you? a build-up, that yeah. is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, look at it. Not, I'm not kidding around because when we first met, it was, I think you sent an overture about this little book that you'd published in your, uh, in, in your, in your garage and were selling out, uh, out the back door in London and it was actually selling pretty well. And then it went crazy. And, uh, then we took it over to United States and it's been, uh, a bestseller in the, in the category. We called it Paleo Primer. You guys called it Fitter Food. Um, but, you know, uh, American, uh, uh, listeners will be familiar because it's been in the Costco's and it's been in all the Barnes and Nobles and uh, run through several printings. So we were so excited uh, a little while ago to find out that you were working on basically a sequel, uh, more more good stuff like the, the simple recipes, but also uh, throwing in some uh, some fun new elements. And I think basically sitting back and seeing how the how the first book was received, and then you were compelled to write again. Tell me about how that whole thing went. It was a it was a bit of a weird one, I guess, because we we always intended to do more books, especially once the uh, the first one, you know, did. I mean, it took us by surprise and done so much better than we ever anticipated doing, you know. And especially with you guys kind of being interested in it as well, which was phenomenal for us to get a call from, you know, you and Mark Sisson that day. It was a yeah, quite a bizarre experience. So, you know, I think I mentioned last time Keris thought that I was winding her up and having a joke, <laughs> and I said, Mark Sisson is on the phone. <laughs> um, and, you know, since then, you know, we've got great feedback about the first book, and, and there was, the demand was there. You know, everyone was like, come on, guys, when are you going to do another book? And and time just flew by, and the next thing you know, we were like, wow, it's been two years now since the, the first book came out. Like, what are we playing at? We really should do another book. And we had so many ideas and recipes and it just made perfect sense to just put them into a second book and get it out there, didn't it? Yeah, we also wanted to kind of, from the feedback after the first book, we got lots of queries. So we kind of sat back and thought, well, what do we get questions about? And there was a lot about how to personalize the kind of paleo approach um, and, and that's in terms of macronutrients, so carbs, proteins, fats, but also how much should, how strict should you be with it? When can you kind of have your, your pizza and your ice cream and things as well? Um, and then we also kind of wanted to encourage people to start seeing food a bit more as, as medicine, really. So there's a section in the book on, on gut health and how foods can help detoxification and your immune system and lower inflammation. And that's 
kind of um matt probably loves the performance stuff more than i do and i love the medicinal side of food so we combine both don't we yeah. in the, in the winning combo yeah <laughs> uh so you always hear this uh, term now personalize and there's now there's two books with kind of that in the title um chris Cresser is one and then someone else wrote um something about your custom paleo program or something and um i don't know what what <laughs> What does it really mean when you're when you're talking about personalizing? When you you have sort of these, um, you know, there, there's the philosophy and the the uh, understanding of which foods are optimal for our genes and which foods we shouldn't eat. So where does the personalization come in, and why is it so important? Um, I think what we kind of encourage people to do is is kind of conduct your own personal experiments, uh, but nail the basics first. And the reason it's so important is because the more research that's been done. There are kind of studies suggesting that genetically some of us are better on high fat, some of us are more well adapted to higher carb diets, some of us, um, you know, they're, they're just kind of some of us have a health history maybe where we've um, derailed our blood sugar levels and we're a bit kind of um, suffering from symptoms of inflammation. So your immune system maybe isn't very strong. So there's a greater need for you to look at the kind of immune system side and take out some of the allergens, like maybe even nuts and eggs. Dare we say that <laughs> to, a, to a paleo audience? Um, so we kind of want people to understand, firstly, what food can offer, what are the benefits of it, um, strip back and go right back kind of away from the processed foods, get that paleo foundation in place, um, and then conduct your experiment. But don't feel beholden to rules and what everyone else is doing because there's a chance that either because it's genetic or due to your health history or your lifestyle now, actually something else different works for you and, and listen to that feedback from your body and have confidence in the choices you make. So the genetic aspect of it, um, and, um, you know, we've had, um, DNA fit Andrew Steele on the podcast, great Britain. They're doing a good job over there. Um, but what are they finding out uh, regarding your, um, your macronutrient balance that really you feel is valid and, um, playing out in real life examples? So the bit that kind of fascinated me a bit, both uh, both of us did DNA diet and DNA fit just out of curiosity. And then I went on to do 23andMe and look at the kind of gene test results. And I've done a few courses and it's the kind of looking at whether people do that well on saturated fats was a big interest for me because obviously there's huge benefits to consuming saturated fats. Um, and, and, you know, we're not kind of scared of cholesterol and we put the studies out there to say that we, they've been vilified for all the wrong reasons. Um, but there was definitely kind of some research suggesting certain gene types. So that's the, usually the APOE4s if you do the gene test. Maybe don't do so great on on high saturated fats and are better moving towards um, kind of the more uh, Mediterranean fats, we call them. So more oily fish, more avocado, nuts and seeds. Um, obviously, this is kind of like the, the, the it's still the icing on the cake for us, because if you look at the recipes that we use as just a mixture of all different types of fats. So we're kind of saying to people, don't go across any extremes initially, um, because it may be that that extreme isn't right for you um, and that you should really do it under the guidance of a nutritional therapist or a coach who's um, very kind of experienced in maybe ketogenic or very low carb diets, if that's a route that you want to explore. And do it under the direction of someone else, especially for sports performance, which is an area that everyone's really, I know you guys are really big on ketogenic. So 
we kind of say to people, go and work with the professionals on it. Don't just dive in and think, well, it sounds good for him. So I'll try it on myself. Oh, gee. So I have my bacon rules t-shirt. That's all I eat. I guess I could um, put that back in the closet or something. But it's funny because um, obviously there's different gene types and that's kind of what we're looking at now is you've got, um, you've got your apple fours, your three fours and your twos. And um, I think with, uh, one of the problems with gene testing is it's trying to establish if you're this gene type, this is the best diet for you. Um, and of course, we've explained before, it's a little bit more complicated in that we've got to consider your hormone health, your insulin health right now. Are you better doing um, you know, a low carb <clears throat> diet or actually are you quite good with carbs and just need to change the source um, to kind of more nutrient dense, more fibrous carbs? Um, the other side of it for me that I'm getting really interested in is gut health and what are the effects of a low carb diet, high fat diet on gut health? Um, for some people, it can be beneficial for others, not so much. So um, previously, when I used to kind of I think when I first started out on this, I really believed that, um, you know, people should really push towards a stricter paleo diet. Uh, I do think it has uh, a place therapeutically, but then they need to kind of look at expanding their nutrition a little bit, adding as many foods in as they can without compromising on their health. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you said that because I think we're we're trying to um, we always try to default to a simple um, perfect answer. And you know, here in this book, I will give you the exact diet you need to be healthy for the rest of your life. And um, we we kind of buy into that flawed mentality where um, you know now even with the gene testing, saying you know you're this blood type, you should eat this diet, or this is your gene profile, and so um, you know um, it, it might not be that simple. And then you you mention throwing in those other elements like your gut health and um, your your hormones and stuff. So I guess we're back to um, starting with that framework and then doing some trial and error. And what kind of things do you look for with your clients, like when they're messing with their carb intake ranges and, and trying to discern differences? Well, I mean, a, a big thing for us, I mean, because most of our clients, you know, work out, you know, they do some kind of exercise, be it lifting weights, running, long distance, endurance events, whatever it may be, you know, they do some form of exercise, um, which is great, of course. Um, so we often get people to look at the performance aspect of whatever it is they're doing. So whether they're doing a sport competitively or just like training, you know, recreationally, you know, for us, their performance is a huge sign of whether the fuel they're putting in is actually, you know, having a positive impact, you know, so are their energy levels going up? Are they getting stronger? You know, are they able to run a little bit faster, or a little bit further, whatever it may be. And, it surprises us how many people kind of ignore that factor and just kind of end up going through the motions of training. And actually when they look back and go, well, hold on a minute, I've, I've not actually progressed that much at all in the last six months. And, you know, we're always like, well, you know, have a little look at your nutrition. Are you consuming enough carbohydrates? Are you eating enough protein? You know, you know, are you getting enough sleep, etc. Calories generally. Eat calories full yeah. stop. And we always say to people as well, you know, like, there are no kind of absolutes when it comes to nutrition and training. There is no one definitive answer that we can give people. And, of course, as you know, things change over time. You know, when people embark on a new nutrition plan or training plan, whatever it may be, over time, you know, through that positive change, you know, their bodies will change. You know, hormonally, uh, insulin health will improve. They'll probably build more lean muscle. Metabolism will change. So the demands their body has 
changes, but people don't adapt their nutrition accordingly, and they just kind of try and change everything else, but their nutrition stays the same, and then they wonder why they kind of hit these plateaus. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, for, for us, it's like, you know, go old school, get a little pen and paper, write things down, you know, write down how many sets you done, what weight you did, what reps you did, how you felt that day on your on your training session, what you feel your recovery was like. And often when people see it black and white, they can see, you know, great, things are going well, or actually, uh, no, they're not. I've actually regressed a little bit. Maybe something it's got to give, you know? Dude, what about the Brownlee brothers then? Because they, I just got a podcast question from someone, and they said these guys were f- featured in an article over there in the UK that they will eat any kind of junk food that comes their way and they just burn the calories and they train super hard every day and they haven't met Matt and Karis yet. I'm disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you know, like, there are some people, I think, who... You know they are. Uh, yeah, listeners, these are these two brothers from England that have just torn up the triathlon world circuit like like never before and performing at such an incredibly high level. Um, they just repeated their uh, medals from 2012 Olympics in Rio. So they won uh, gold and bronze and I believe gold and silver. They're just phenomenal athletes, but perhaps not that attuned to diet yet. My prediction, I said it on the podcast, the Q&A podcast I did on Primal Endurance. I said they're going to be um, nearing the end of their, you know, the later years of their career. And then they're going to come looking for you guys. And they're going to say, hey, what should we eat? Because we're slowing down. (laughs) That was going to be my exact take on it. In that I think you get some people genetically who are just awesome at at training and kind of get away with a lot on the the nutrition front. Um, But I actually attended a course this weekend that was just kind of looking at gut and immune system and how it all interacts. And diet, they were saying nutrition is the biggest factor for influence basically influencing the immune system and therefore inflammation and recovery. And you just kind of think anyone that's trying to ignore that fact, it's going to come and bite them in the backside. It really will. When you see how, you know, they're just kind of aging their body, just creating, you know, just, just the fire inside. And, and the, the, the actual one thing that was mentioned on the course was just the, the impact that intense exercise, especially in heat, heat. so think of Rio, has on the, the kind of gut barrier and how it just breaks it down. Well, so, if you just look at, uh, I can't remember which Brownlee brother it was just last. recently, you, you know, had to get carried over yeah. the line by his brother, didn't he? Because he was obviously clearly just exhausted. exhausted. I, I did see that and think, oh, my God, his body. Like, I just I just hope he's got some, an amazing recovery program ready for the, <laughs> to get, get back in shape. But but I think that that the key word there is kind of longevity, and and I think yeah. when you're a competitive competitive athlete like they are, and as you mentioned, incredible athletes, you know, like it's just absolutely amazing to watch. But and I think when you're kind of you know genetically built a certain way, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, no doubt they train their asses off. Um, but I think kind of your genetics will get you so far. Um, and then, like you say, it's going to kind of come back and kick you up the arse and be like, hey, hey, you should have thought about this a little bit earlier, you know, especially if you want your career to last a long time and perform as high as you, a higher level as possible for as long as possible. Because, you know, I know, like, you know, you've got your sports like NFL and NBA where they're paid extortionate amounts of money. But, you know, due to the high impact of the sport and the short careers, I suppose it kind of balances out somewhat, if you like. Um, the thing, I'm sorry, I was just going to say that the main focus with sports nutrition, it, well, it was previously when, when I did a very, I did a few courses in it, was very similar to where the general population is going and that it's just macro obsessed. 
and no one is looking at the kind of the source and the the kind of what what does exercise do to the body what does it deplete what do we need to support what kind of systems and you know we just think exercise is healthy and let's just fuel it in any which way possible and that's i think it's going to change now with kind of functional medicine and the work you guys are doing i think people are looking at it a little bit differently now yeah another thing i'll say on that note about the athletes is um let's check in with you when you're 40 and 50 and 60 years old and a lot of these old-time athletes you wouldn't know it by looking at them now because they've let their health go to heck and it's like those eating habits that they um you know they practiced during their career didn't affect their seven percent body fat but now all of a sudden they're 27 percent and you know inflamed and looking at a reduced lifespan in part due to their athletic endeavors, but more part due to, um, you know, not mitigating the damage caused by high level, uh, uh, training in, in elite sports with a clean diet. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, and I think as well, you do look at some athletes and you think you are fit as a fiddle, but you look like crap. <laughs> <laughs> don't to be horrible. You know, yes, they got low body fat, etc. but I sometimes look at them facially and I think you look tired. You don't look energized. You don't look healthy to me. And I think that's just a reflection of the the, the kind of day-to-day stresses they place on their body with the amount of training that they do. Yeah, we, we have clients who um, who love their kind of their kettlebell training, their resistance training, and, and they're strong and they're fit. But when you kind of sit down with them and talk to them about nutrition, and I start to ask questions about, you know, kind of, Uh, health history or or like general wellness and suddenly they say oh you know I've had this chest infection that comes and goes but it's a bit relentless for about the last eight weeks and I'm kind of shocked that that they see that that's just this annoyance in their life and I and I kind of say this is your your body breaking down you should be able to fight these things you know you shouldn't just walk around with you know kind of colds and flu that, that that stay around for weeks and weeks I mean Matt and I we can't remember touch wood I'll probably get a cold after I say this but I can't remember the last time that both of us were kind of sick for a long period of time yeah, yeah i almost wish i could be so i could have a bit of time in bed <laughs> occasionally like you used to have a lion but like you don't if you if you use food and and kind of the other principles that we talk about in the book and, and that's why we kind of went outside of just food and said start to look at sleep stress management you know even your relationships in your life and and you're kind of happy and healthy you shouldn't fall sick you shouldn't have chronic you know pain and injuries all the time mm. you should be able to kind of thrive and and, you know, love everything that you do. Uh, tell me more about your uh, approach with clients, because I know now you're um, you're doing a lot of work online. Does that mean like even people in America can engage with you with your your services with uh, it's called uh, Fitter? Is it called Fitter Food, the online version of the business? Yeah. Well, yeah. So we're obviously, yeah, our website is fitterfood.com, but we also run a, um, uh, a membership site as well, which is a uh, fitter. 365 as in the numbers 365.com we have some uh, primalcon mm. people in there actually that we met yeah. at primalcon who do the we have like meal plans in there and workouts and q a sessions and stuff Web- educational webinars etc and uh yeah so essentially if you've got an internet connection then yeah we, we you we can work with you no problem this, the um, nutrition side, we do kind of either in person if people are if we're traveling and near people or we do it um a Skype session online and uh, the beauty of kind of well just the internet now is even kind of nutritional supplements and things like that actually you guys in America are much better off you have much better brands and um <laughs> and kind of accessibility to to usually the good good quality, stuff quality supplements than yeah. we do in the UK so it's actually easier 
And we want to know when you're going to get the primal kitchen stuff over here as well, because that would make our lives a lot easier. Yeah, I know. You need to get my hands on more of that mayonnaise, mate. That's, that's <laughs> life-changing, that stuff. Well, <laughs> we'll have to smuggle some over or uh, hit us up when you next come over to New York City or whatever. Uh, so when you have a client, um, take me through the process. Like, What's the starting point? What kind of data are you gathering? And then also to ask a complex question, what are the main... Um, you know, hot button items that you see over and over with people uh, coming through with, you know, if it's lack of sleep or some type of dietary shortcoming? Um, so the, the general thing I do is I get people to fill in a questionnaire with all sorts of questions about, um, I ask things like, right back to how they were born and um, and kind of whether or not they were breastfed, just looking at their immune system health, uh, all different types of allergies and things they might have suffered from during childhood. Um, so the approach is kind of known as functional medicine which your listeners have probably heard about and that's where you kind of go back through a patient's timeline um, and what I'm trying to look for and find out is any periods where they might have fallen ill or maybe traveled a lot um, and kind of just get a picture of, of their health up until the, the consultation basically um, and what I'll see here is if someone tells me that as a child they had things like eczema, asthma, sinus problems um, I know that possibly they're they're susceptible to kind of you know, their immune system can get unbalanced um, very easily. And then I'll ask a lot about their nutrition. So their nutrition as a child, routines when all of us just go off the rails and eat loads of sugar and, and drink too much. So that's that's pretty much standard for everybody. Um, also, just things like I'll ask uh, quite a lot in depth about their digestive health, which some people find really uncomfortable. But I want to know, do they have a bowel movement every day? What does that bowel movement look like? So they get a chart where they can basically point out uh, what their stool looks like, which um, some of them find really hilarious. Um, huh. I'll ask about things like any health symptoms that they're struggling with, and I'll list do big lists because a lot of people have things like skin problems. Um, men are terrible for this, actually. They'll talk about this this kind of red, flaky, dry skin that they've had for most of their life, and just say, "Yeah, but it's always been there, and it's harmless." But to me, it's a sign that something, some part in their body, some system is not happy and is reacting. And it's very easy. Often, with with some people, I'll do very slow change and say, "Let's just remove um, wheat and gluten and maybe dairy," and and they can instantly see a difference, especially in skin. Um, so sometimes I'll do slow step change, but other people like to go in kind of all guns blazing. Let's just do something big and different. Um, but other areas that I ask about, I'm also looking at things like stress because I want to know about um, kind of adrenal health. So are they overdoing it in the gym at work, the hours that they work? Um, I ask about symptoms. So do they have things like racing mind, uh, any problems with anxiety or things like even um, you know heart palpitations? So anything unusual in that area? Um, and then I go into kind of a lot of detail with nutrition. Um, and it's funny because exercise is the bit that I, I ask them to kind of detail their weekly routine. And they often will expect me to come back with um, a very specific macronutrient plan for their diet and a very specific training plan. And often I'm just not really kind of um, actually doing much there at all, especially if they're kind of familiar with what we do and already doing fit of food or paleo, um, kind of a paleo style diet. Um, they often think that that's where they're missing something and need to do more exercise and need to change their carbohydrate intake. That's the big thing that I see quite frequently. Um, but actually what I tend to do, the first area I'll go to is the gut um, because they're often eating really good food but not experiencing the benefits. So I'll go back in with things like digestive enzymes, uh, bone broth, uh, maybe some probiotics to help them rebuild gut function. Um, the things that I'll say I would see 
increasingly at the moment one of the biggest is uh, for men low testosterone um and i just joked with matt because matt's had a problem with this in the past but uh fungal yeast infections for men seem to be a really big problem so i get things like um uh, skin conditions gout fungal toenail infections i know this is sounding really lovely for you and your listeners at the moment um and I often link this to um, just kind of overconsumption of things like bread and alcohol and and maybe even stress and kind of just not looking after their gut health very well. Um, the low testosterone is also really common again in kind of um, the male population that come to see us. Um, again, it's 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 useful because it's usually a symptom of something else not working properly. But again, um, if we visit the doctor, they're just offered testosterone cream. So it's not really, they're not really getting anywhere with kind of conventional medicine. Um, for women, it's usually um, a lot of hormone related issues. So around their menstrual cycle. So we're seeing kind of estrogenic um, issues become a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is just a complete mix of hormone imbalances. Um and I'd say across the board with men and women, depression is 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 a really big problem. And even if that's not mentioned in their questionnaire, when I ask them to list three kind of goals that they have or, or areas they want to work on, it always comes out in the consultation somewhere. Um, and interestingly, when we were just talking about the athletes, I think a lot of athletes will only go and kind of get help when they notice that their motivation has gone or their uh, mood is dropping and all this is a big part of, of your nutrition and 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 your gut health and your hormones so um, and that's where the gene side of it gets does get really interesting because some of us genetically are really poor at actually producing healthy levels of of happy um, brain chemicals so we need to look after our, our kind of nutrition and our gut fun- function even more than others so that was a very long answer to a very short question. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. There's so many uh, things that come up from there. And I guess you're doing this uh, a mix of intuitively, like detecting some signs of general depression and speculating that uh, going after those um, foods that support gut health can can write that. But are you also doing um, some blood or uh uh, saliva testing or something yeah so the the main test i kind of do first off is either a stool test and then i don't know if you've talked about urine organic acids testing on your podcast before have you or not um we just had a guy mark bubs on the primal endurance podcast he's a canadian uh works with the canadian olympic athletes and um he was talking about a couple good tests to get so it sounds like the individual who's interested in functional health and maybe hasn't uh made much progress with a traditional doctor can now pop for some of these, um, these tests and at least have a starting point to find out if, um, you know, if some problems are evident with these, um, with these unique testing methods. Yeah. I mean, I actually have some, some doctors who, who come to me because they, they kind of know when they've got symptoms, but the, the testing, a lot of it isn't accessible to them on, we have um, NHS, so National Health Service in the UK, um, and they have to go through private means. Um, and functional medicine is kind of the, 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 the main kind of area that people will find the practitioner and the people offering these tests. But um, the, the, the ones that I like to start with are, are stool and urine tests, which look at things like your, the breakdown of your vitamins and minerals, um, the breakdown of your amino acids, or the, the kind of like the, the, it's called the metabolites, but it's just a byproduct. So it kind of gives a better indicator of, what your body uses, what the levels are. Um, whereas when you do blood testing, it's only, it's not necessarily kind of 
telling us what your body is able to, to utilize. Um, so the kind of blood test you get from a doctor might almost give you a, a false positive uh, or possibly a false negative as well. So um, it's more effective to look at, at the urine. Um, and it also does um, the kind of neurotransmitters. So it can tell you whether you've got um, low levels of serotonin, um, how is your conversion of um, um, kind of uh, dopamine into adrenaline and noradrenaline, which for athletes is really, really important um, you guys call it epinephrine over there, don't you, and norepinephrine? Uh, sure. Those terms are bantered about as the family of stress hormones, and it's nice to um, have that big-picture perspective that, uh, you know, maybe you don't have anything uh, clinically wrong with you from traditional medicine perspective, but some of these conversions and these hormone balances are off, and it's it's affecting your... I even like the example of the, um, the, the skin condition that, you know, or, or the fungal infection in your toenails or whatever. And people just think that's routine or they go to the doctor and get something to put on it without thinking about what's the cause of this and why are these recurring and thinking about health in a different perspective. Well, Matt's been blessed with, um, the, the occasional infection and he kind of says it's useful feedback for you, isn't it? Like if you go too far with a bit of ice cream. I don't eat ice cream. We're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> No, for, do you know it's yeah. If I if I OD on on the sugar front, you know if I and that can even fruit for you, can't it? Yeah, some certain fruits, even if I just eat two kind of like uh, high fructose fruits, um, you know it, it can I can it's like a little little patch on my leg that just flares up. Um, so I tend to fruit wise just tend to stick to berries now, really, uh, and the, the odd banana. Um, but if I go a bit too OTT, um, you know, with my pals Ben and Jerry, um, then. It, it can flare up as well but but actually the biggest cause of it flaring up is uh stress and lack of sleep which kind of go hand in hand because if i'm stressed you know i've got a real kind of active mind and it affects my sleep and then i have a flare-up even if my nutrition is absolutely on point um and also you like to train when you're stressed yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah which we know is can be a bit of a lethal combo because i train quite hard as well you know, it was a bit of a release. So it's like, yeah, I'm already stressed. Cool. Well, let's just elevate cortisol even more yeah. in the gym and, and then just neck a ton of coffee as well to kind of counteract the lack of sleep and just elevate cortisol even more. So uh, as I know, it's a vicious cycle. And But it's like, I often say to people, these symptoms are actually your health coach in a way that they're kind of going, uh-oh, you know, you've, you're kind of pushing in the wrong mm. direction. And if you didn't have them, you might kind of end up in a bigger in a bigger problem further down the line or having a bigger problem further yeah. down the line. Yeah, so, they're kind of like little little signs now, aren't they? That, little that, pep talks from your body. <laughs> but, I mean, equally, like you say, it's like it's good sometimes to have it because it's like, well, well, you've gone a bit too far. But I think, you know, especially like with clients, you know, like with us, like we're very kind of in tune with our bodies, if you like. We've been doing this a long, long time, um, you know, and – you know, you kind of learn a hell of a lot about yourself over the years and we're still learning, you know, this is a journey for us for the long haul and and we're kind of constantly adapting things as we go. But with our clients, I think sometimes for them getting that realization that actually what you eat plays a huge role in in things such as like, you know, like autoimmune diseases and, you know, like eczema, acne, psoriasis, etc. Um, which are quite common problems, aren't they, with yeah. the clients we work with. And honestly, I mean, we've we've got clients that see huge change in their skin in, a, in as little as a week just through, you know, maybe cutting certain things out of their diet and making their diet more nutrient-dense. And, and they're like, oh, my gosh, like I've been 
applying creams to this, taking tablets for this for years, and I've never, never got it this good. And you're like, well, there you go. Now you know. You know what I mean? And, and it's for us a real breakthrough because they've then seen it. They've witnessed it firsthand. So they don't need convincing anymore. But sometimes getting people to cut out the dairy, for example, which is, tends to be a big one, um, can be quite difficult, you know, because they like it. You know, yeah, and it's, it's hard yeah. to tell someone that they can't have something that they like. For now, you know, it's not forever. I'm not saying they can never have it again. But, you know, if they can identify that it is a trigger for them, then that, that's, that's a big breakthrough for us. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you like something, it's been part of your life, your food treats, but do you like feeling like crap? And then you have to balance, you know, if you can really identify that uh, ditching dairy or ditching sugar will uh, alleviate some of these hassles and, and health conditions, then the client has, you know, a little uh, clearer decision-making process, a little better chance to succeed because they can tie a direct link between, you know, the afternoon blues and the uh, high sugar lunch they consume. Yeah, but I mean, one thing that we also try and explain to people is that they, they, they kind of need to enter into a healing period, which can be 12 weeks is kind of a nice uh, estimate where we say do an elimination diet and then get all the nutrients back in your body, um, focus on sleep, stress management, get like sensible amounts of exercise. Um, and you may need a little bit of support with nutritional um, supplements for some people. Um, but actually, after that 12-week period, you might find that you can add just the occasional thing back in. And that's what we tried to explain in our second book was you might want to be 80-20, 90-10, where kind of, you know, 90% of your intake is, is, is on par and very kind of um, supports your goals. But then don't sweat it if you go out and it's someone's birthday and someone plants a piece of birthday cake in your hand. Um, and it's kind of getting people to understand what works best for them. Uh, you know, some people just get like we tend to now really enjoy the food that we eat so i don't tend to um i don't know if this is going on in the U in the u.s but in the uk there's kind of a culture of cheat day or cheat night where you go and order like pretty much all the rubbish from all the supermarket aisles or <laughs> and you just completely go for it crazy. and some people it's kind of come from really the bodybuilding world isn't it where you you have that day and then the next day you're back on it eating just chicken and steamed greens and that's kind of carried over here and it's very popular and we get asked a lot oh do you two have a cheat day but what we tend to do is most of our nutrition um, is just exactly as we kind of write in the book, Fit Food Principles, it's paleo-ish. But if we were to go to, um, like we just said, like a, a kind of party and someone puts a nice pizza in front of us, we don't kind of go, oh, we can't eat that, we're paleo, you know, we don't we don't have those rules. Um, but we don't plan it as spontaneous if we were to eat those foods. Yeah, so that, that I think we, we have a very kind of laid-back approach now in the, you know, we've we've kind of built like a decent-ish like foundation of health, and yeah. and and because we enjoy we enjoy the food that we eat, and that's why we wrote our books was to share these awesome, great tasting, easy to make recipes with people that essentially, uh, you know, don't feel like you're on a diet because they taste freaking awesome, and yeah, you know, and they're full of the good stuff, and and I think you know because we never feel deprived in any way. We don't it's need not cheat like, oh, you know, we've got to plan a treat, and yeah. it's like Kerry said, you know. Sometimes we might randomly be like, can't be bothered to cook tonight. Let's get a pizza in. Uh, we're very lucky in that we've got a sourdough pizza uh, place literally around the corner from our flat. I say lucky, it's actually a bit more lethal than it is lucky. Because <laughs> it is really, really tasty. But then, you know, it's it's a, a much better choice than what like a, a deep pan stuffed crust 
pizza would be from, from somewhere else. And we even said that we, we can enjoy this sourdough pizza uh, and we have no symptoms the next day whatsoever, no bloating, no low yeah, energy. Just good. Well, it's good quality it's food. much better quality, yeah. But the other point to make is once you've healed your body, it just tolerates more. So, you know, we we tend to go into a lot of detail on the gut and say to people, if you can improve the balance of bacteria get your digestive system back in order, then you can often have a little bit of dairy again and it doesn't create the symptoms it did before. So kind of fix the body and then it, it won't be the same body once you've done it. Yeah, I mean, that's the key. Like we're, we're not, when we do work with people in the initial phase, like Keris said, you know, we're trying to repair, we're trying to kind of lay a nice, solid, strong foundation to build upon. And that's the kind of critical phase. It's not forever. And that's what we keep trying to say to people. You know, you're not going to be prisoner to this. You know, you will be able to have some dairy. You will be able to have some alcohol and some cake and whatever and enjoy it. But, you know, your your body will be in a better position to tolerate it because the human body, we always say this, we, we say like the human body is so resilient and robust. But I think humans like just just take advantage of that they take it <laughs> oh, they like to test the test the boundaries of of human potential to how much crap can i can i eat for how many years that's funny exactly and you know and, and the thing is some people realize it so, soon enough and they're like right i need to make some change unfortunately for some it's they, they leave it a little too late and that's what and then you have to be a much stricter for much well forever maybe for some people yeah, yeah and then you know and it's or even worse you know they get a life-threatening disease or illness and yeah. you know we've always said you know there are certain things that you know even if you do eat healthy you know it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to avoid disease but it certainly gives you a better shot and i know what 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 road i would prefer to take you know and and that's the kind of thing that kind of breaks our heart sometimes like when you know just general walking around day to day we observe people you know we observe you know, like, especially like children now, you know, like, uh, like obesity in children in the UK now is insane, you know, and um, there was a stat the other day that was saying that the biggest um, reason for hospital visits in the UK for kids between the age of five and nine is because of tooth decay. Oh. That's that, because cause kids' diets are so laden with sugar now yeah, that fair. their teeth are just, mm. you know, well, they're just wasting away essentially and we're like like come on people like we need to wake up we need to take action these stats are there for a reason you know wow that's rough and going back to something really special that you said i'm going to pull it out as a quote because i think we're really getting down to the the bottom of this uh, uh this issue where people can't seem to let go of these comfort foods and you said because we don't feel deprived we don't need a cheat day um and that's great because the psychology of a cheat day where you're you're using the word cheat um, implies that you're suffering and struggling to adhere to whatever. Like you mentioned, the bodybuilders with their uh, chicken breast and their uh, their their greens, and it's it's very bland and strict, and um, it doesn't have to be that way. So if you're pursuing pleasure all the time, and Mark talks about this a lot too, where he won't eat anything that he doesn't enjoy. That's not really good quality. And that he really likes. He doesn't force anything down because it's healthy or, uh, you know, whatever magical drink that doesn't taste good, but it's got all the good stuff in there. And if you operate under those principles, uh, perhaps you're going to fast a lot if you travel frequently, but you're, you're constantly seeking pleasure and satisfaction in your diet. And so your mentality is in the right place such that when you see that, um, 
you know, unique uh, uh, dessert treat that's been homemade and it, it's the grandma's pulling the, the warm cookies out of the oven, of course, you're going to enjoy one because it's part of enjoying life and social cultural rituals. But it's different than stocking your fridge with Ben and Jerry's because you hate your, your, your three meals that preceded that during your busy day. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? That also goes beyond food, though. And in, in consultations, I sometimes, um, you know, you get I get a feel when you're kind of chatting with people that they, they talk about, oh, I try really hard to go from breakfast till lunch without uh, eating, or I try really hard not to go into the office um, kitchen because there's always biscuits in there. And I kind of say to them, if you are constantly fighting against urges and kind of, you know, these kind of cravings, it's good to look at not just the food that you're eating and make sure that satiates you and you enjoy it, but your life generally. Um, Because is it actually that you hate your job or the environment that you work in or, dare I say, even the home environment relationships? Um, Because they actually lead people to just walk to the fridge and open it just frequently throughout the day. And Matt and I have have observed that in each other where when we've got really stressful times with the business – um, Matt just just stands in front of the fridge door pretty much most of the day, just, just staring at it. <laughs> just staring, <laughs> and then, and you feel we feel those cravings come along because we're in an environment. Maybe running a business is probably the scariest thing we've ever done, really, together. And it has those moments where we go, "Oh crikey, this is we feel out of our depth," and we instantly seek, you know, just comfort somewhere. And usually that can be food. And so we talk about that a lot with clients and say, "This may not be a nutrition thing. It could be an aspect of your life that we need to address." and that might feel a bit weird to them that I'm asking questions about whether they like their partner or whether they, that they enjoy their job. And But often the outcome from a consultation can be that they really lack a sense of purpose and fulfillment in their life. And so they just keep derailing their nutrition to make up for it. Or, or to try and like counteract that kind of like lack of enjoyment. Yeah. Or the other option, the other thing people do then or is go to the gym way too much and try and become, try and establish a status at the gym. So the best person at, at this kind of event or lifting this weight or on this 10 K I'm going to smash everyone else and this time and be the best. So it's, it's, and that can be a good, if, if that's kind of what you do, what you love, but sometimes people are taking it too far, not listening to feedback from their body, like an injury because they don't, uh, it's kind of their thing and that they're known for it and they can't let go of that that status and mm. so that's when I start to talk about there needs to be other things in life that you like getting out of bed for otherwise you know this is this is kind of just going to become an unhealthy habit see that's why you guys are number one global power couple that's beautiful and that's so profound because it, it's it's applicable to so many people and how all these things are intertwined and you're, you're, I mean, we have this, uh, problem we talk about a lot here, orthorexia with experts on the podcast and people that are so wrapped up in, you know, following these rules and restrictions that they create more stress in their life because they're eating so cleanly or trying to get all their workouts, uh, you know, done in a, in a perfect way rather than being more intuitive. So. I appreciate your guys' holistic approach so much. I want to ask a couple more questions because um, uh, taking furious notes as we're moving through this conversation so quickly, there's so much to talk to you guys about. We'll have you on for maybe a focused podcast on, you know, some some direct topics like weight loss or gut health or something. But um, one thing you mentioned uh, really quickly in passing was um, the, the idea that certain uh, – athletic fitness enthusiast people that you're working with might not be getting enough calories and that could be the source of some of their uh, health complaints how does that play out um so for us what we kind of do is um we get people to do just like a basic food diary and show us um and because of things like there's been intermittent fasting and there's kind of lots of talk about 
um, you know, kind of low carbs. Uh, just from looking at someone's food diary, you can kind of think, actually, you know, for the amount of exercise they're doing, do a rough calculation of the BMR. You can see, um, you know, a quick glance, I can see, actually, I'm, I'm sure this person might actually be under eating. Um, and obviously, there's just that constant kind of that we've still got the 80s um, kind of emphasis over here of, of less calories equals weight loss. Um, and it's great that a lot of new studies are showing that that's actually just a kind of recipe for disaster long term. Um, so what we tried to do, and this is in second helping, was get people to understand what their BMR might be. Um, and then just a very vague idea, because we're not big fans of using kind of tracking apps uh, obsessively, because that also can become a stress. Um, so we came up with the idea of kind of doing charts and tables to say, you know, kind of a cup of sweet potato is roughly this many carbs and calories. Uh, and just kind of have a look at your common food groups and and um, and get an idea. Because generally, when we when people come to us, it's because they're already exercising hard uh, and actually following a very good kind of what we would say, you know, looks very good nutrition or, or very good kind of um, uh, meal protocol. But their weight loss is is kind of completely stalling. And, and I have to explain to them that this might be because, one, they're not getting enough nutrients uh, two, their body might be kind of holding on to fat stores because um, maybe through stress training and calorie um, restriction they've actually downregulated a lot of hormones that would be involved in fat burning so it's like thyroid hormones and um, and leptin so I actually and it's funny but you have this conversation with people where they're almost too scared to increase food because that goes against what they've been told to do for the last 20 years but then I have to highlight that actually restricting calories hasn't really worked for them either so and they go, <laughs> oh yeah right okay so um, but we also just see in, in people that are training hard because there's that focus on training, 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 that they almost, some don't even have the time to do proper meal prep and actually step back and look at their intake. Um, so we see people's uh, performance either plateau or worse still decline, don't we? So yeah. you'll see that. And that's quite common, I think, with the guys who um, have just got so into the kind of lift inside, they haven't looked at whether they're supporting it. And actually, as people lose weight, we tend to actually bring calories up maybe even more to keep supporting um, you know, the metabolism and the increased uh, lean muscle mass. Um, so again, we try to get people to do it a bit intuitively. Sometimes we might say just check in once or twice uh, with something like my fitness pal. Don't go for the kind of daily. This is a precise formula. I need to fit these numbers. I burn this many calories. I consume this many calories because the body just doesn't work like that. Um, for a start, the gut decides how many calories you're going to absorb. You don't. So it's not even a precise calculation, is it? Really? No. It's a general and idea. And also for me, I just think in this day and age, I feel you know. As a, as a as a species, if you like, you know, we're so much more stressed than we even were, say, 50 years ago, you know, with the invention of the Internet, with the invention of like social media channels and kind of constantly being connected to everything, you know, work, and whatnot. And I just think that we're just more stressed now as human beings and we place such different demands on our bodies now. And I think why add another stress to your life of having to track your freaking macros and, <laughs> and whatever else? Like, what, you know, humans, <laughs> like, look at the things we've invented. Look at how clever we are, yet we can't just know when to stop eating. <laughs> exactly. How is this possible? We invented computers, rocket ships, the internet, yeah, like yeah. all these amazing creations, yet we somehow have lost Ro the ability to go... Rocket ships. <laughs> rocket ships? <laughs> yeah, rockets. Rockets? Yeah, rockets. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Aeroplanes, helicopters, all these amazing things. But 
we've lost the ability to go, do you know what? I've had enough food now. Yeah. I'm not going to eat anymore. I'm that, good. There is that goal for us to do kind of intuitive eating and get people to eat in a fashion that supports the feedback of hormones that tell you you're full, the foods that will activate those hormones. And, and you know, for some people, we have to explain that in detail that your great grandparents didn't have my fitness power and they still managed to be, <laughs> you know, relative, most of them relatively healthy with a good body composition. Well, certainly leaner than, yeah. than we are now. <laughs> and, you know, if you look at the stats on testosterone over the last 50 years as well, they've absolutely plummeted, Yeah. Um, you know, in guys. So, you know, something's gone a bit, bit off track yeah. along the way there. And I think we're just kind of trying to do what we can to, to kind of fight back a little bit and, and kind of get people thriving a little bit more and, and doing they, the best that they can in kind of today's world. Because a big thing that kind of like, I suppose, gripes me is that, you know, it's all well and good talking about paleo and, you know, what we used to eat and all of that. But it's like, listen, you know, this, we've changed so much now. Like, you know, you, 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 you can only do the best you can in, in the current circumstance. And, you know, we're surrounded by Wi-Fi. We're surrounded by pollution. We're surrounded by stresses. And a lot of that we can't do anything about as much as we try, but we can certainly do the best we can that's within our, our abilities, such as the food choices that we make, the amount of sleep that we get, the amount we stress and how we manage stress. And and I think that's what we're trying to get people to do is realize that they can take control, um, but not to get wound up about the things that they can't do much about, which I think some people do. They get so caught up in the the kind of paleo thing the and, the, and the, the calories and macros and all these specifics and absolutes. And it's like, man, like you're just stressing yourself out even more and sh excessive stress is not good for anybody. Matt, way to close the show, man. That was beautiful. <laughs> the approach, yeah, this is why you have to go out and get paleo primer or second helping and the first paleo primer and have a nice little book set on your bookshelf. There's so many cool drawings and cartoons and I really love your, your top 10 lists and your top five lists in the new book because it's an easy quick read where you can just open up to any page and learn some really interesting nuggets with your unique philosophy and your holistic approach so thank you so much for spending the time with the listeners of the primal blueprint podcast it's matt whitmore and karis marsden uh fitterfood.com and authors of paleo primer a second helping from london england and we're going to have you back on the podcast you promise we'll talk we'll pick up where we left off we got so many other things to talk about awesome thanks for having us mate yeah, it's always you. a pleasure thank you listeners this is your host brad kearns until next time enjoy da -da 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 -da. hi folks mark sisson here and i'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet the primal health coach program my mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching, but have been held back by worries, such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. We also have payment plans available, so you can start immediately for just a dollar down. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis.
The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.